This month, Harvard University released a study on the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on levels of loneliness among Americans. As you'd probably guess, the results weren't very encouraging. And yet the number and types of people struggling with loneliness right now is nevertheless shocking. In our interview today, I'm talking with Lydia Brownback on what this study reveals about the real causes of our loneliness and what scripture has to say about it. She also shares about her experiences with the pandemic and its effects on her social life as a single person and how Christians can rally together and support one another in the wake of two years of social isolation, masks, and lockdowns. Lydia is a Bible teacher, an editor, and the author of a number of books, including Finding God in My Loneliness from Crossway. Let's get started. Well, Lydia, thank you so much for joining me again on the Crossway podcast. It's great to be back with you, Matt. Yeah, it's fun to get to reconnect, uh, this time apart uh, at a distance, but uh, still really good to chat. We always have good conversations on this podcast. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Well, just this month, Harvard University published a study that they ran related to loneliness in the U.S. during this COVID pandemic that we've been living through together. And I want to read their summary of their findings and and hear you respond to that. So they write, our new report suggests that 36% of all Americans including 61% of young adults and 51% of mothers with young children, feel serious loneliness. Loneliness appears to have increased substantially since the outbreak of the global pandemic. Are you surprised by those numbers? Not at all. In fact, I I would say that probably they were in place before the pandemic and it just wasn't talked about, it wasn't recognized and I think loneliness can be one of those things that, that sort of it's it's in everyone's life to some degree, and it it runs as, as an undercurrent like white noise so much of the time that we're not even aware it's there, or if we're aware that something's a little off, we don't define it as loneliness. People don't talk about loneliness. People don't. It doesn't come up in conversation. I'm lonely. Are you lonely? You know, it's just, it's there, but sometimes we don't recognize it as loneliness. So so those numbers in the study, I think I think loneliness has come front and center. Uh, through the pandemic, and because there it was, suddenly people are isolated, they're cut off, uh, and, and then it became more of a topic of conversation, and it brought out what I think was probably there to begin with. Mm. So, would you say that's like a maybe a silver lining on the pandemic on this front, in that it, it maybe has uh, made it more okay for us to vocalize our experiences of loneliness in a way that maybe before, just culturally, it wasn't as acceptable. Yeah, that's a really good point. I do think that is that is a silver lining. It can definitely be one if it's used to address the problem. The UK actually addressed this before the pandemic when they appointed a czar of loneliness. Really? So they were aware of that over there and the government recognized it as a as a um, an epidemic actually. Mm. Uh, and so so if you think about that, yeah, the pandemic did bring this to the forefront uh, and now people are talking about it. Um, people are trying to put in place ways of dealing with it. I don't think I don't think society's come up with anything yet, but at least they're talking about it. So it might be surprising to some to see or to hear that 51% of young moms, according to that study that we talked about, uh, people who presumably have a lot of FaceTime each day with their kids and probably also their husbands, uh, they nevertheless said that they were struggling with serious loneliness. 
What does that reveal about the causes of loneliness or maybe uh, the ways that we assume uh, what the causes might be uh, incorrectly? That's another great question. I, I think a lot of it is we assume that if you have a husband and children, you're not going to be lonely. I think especially in the Christian community, that's supposed to be the remedy for loneliness. And so if mm. people are married and they have a family and then they struggle with loneliness, they feel guilty about it or they don't, they don't recognize it as loneliness or they're afraid to talk about it if they do because it feels like they're betraying their family or what the Lord has given them. And in reality, it's just the way we're hardwired. Uh, loneliness is part of the human condition. Uh, and I think it also reveals the fact that it is that having a family, having a spouse, having children doesn't complete us in that old expression. Um, we, we, are, we are not complete. Uh, we're complete only in the Lord, of course. Well, he's, uh, we find great benefit um, in, in having marriage and family. In fact, that is, that is God's gift for fellowship out in addition to the church. Um, and that's one of his primary ways of meeting those yearnings in people. And yet I think about those moms you're talking about and how they would feel lonely. Well, they're not able to connect with other mothers dealing with the same things they're dealing with. So if you think about it in day-to-day -day life, they're taking their children to school, they're doing play dates and other things and, and discussing the, the struggles of motherhood with other women going through the same thing. So suddenly they're shouldering those burdens alone with no one to talk to about it who can totally relate in the same way. And that, that's an isolating feeling. And mm. when you just are processing problems and issues and frustrations all by yourself, uh, without anyone who can say, yes, I understand because I'm going through the same thing, I think that would produce loneliness for sure. Mm. So uh, you make a point in your book of distinguishing between loneliness and being alone. And I wonder if that connects with what you're saying here that, you know, how much of the definition or understanding of loneliness should be less about whether or not we're actually with other people, technically speaking, but how much of it is actually about having someone else to, as you just said, shoulder, you know, the burdens of life together with you? Like, is that, is that in your mind, the core of why we feel lonely when we do is that we don't feel like we have not just uh, someone near us, but we don't have someone to help us in the midst of struggles. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it, you know, I think the loneliest people I know are not single people. They're people in a difficult marriage. So lonely, I think, I think people can be even lonelier in marriage than single if they are married to someone with whom they can't communicate, someone they're struggle, they're having a, a typical, even a typical ordinary marriage struggle. When communication isn't at its best, uh, when when uh, people are feeling short with one another, and uh, that's a lonely feeling. And I, 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 you know, I've talked to some women who who have the way they've explained it. You know, they they the person they're supposed to be closest to is the one person they can't talk to, and yet they're lying next to that person at night trying to sleep, and and it's the loneliest feeling in the world when you can't talk to the person you're supposed to be closest to. Mm. So in some senses, that is a more intense form of loneliness, I think, than, than someone who is alone. Um, now, of course, there's, there is definitely, and I think the pandemic brought this out, for, for people who live alone, um, the pandemic, that all that isolation was not good. You know, you think when, when, when God said it's not good for man to be alone, um, and I, <laughs> he did provide then a spouse, 
um, for Adam. At the same time, he said that before the fall. So that's why, you know, we, we can't, we have to say that some of that, that not goodness of, of being alone um, is, is part of how he created us. It's not all wrapped up with sin. He hardwired us to yearn and need, to yearn for and need connection. And uh, so he made us to need one another, but he also primarily made us to not be able to feel complete apart from him. And I think that's just a beautiful gift he gave us, the capacity to feel lonely. Uh, Because if it weren't for that, we would never bend to other people. We would never give ourselves the sacrifices it takes to be in relationships and we would never follow the lord or pursue him so so that 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 ache inside is a gift from god uh but then he's also provided for it so so if you have a spouse wonderful provision um and if you're if you are alone uh then he there's the church and there are other means so the pandemic definitely cut cut the solitary off from those kinds of connections zoom just doesn't cut it and mm. it's a wonderful, it was, can you imagine the pandemic with no Zoom? I mean, how hard would that yeah. be with this many people today who are living alone? And I think never before in history have this many people lived by themselves. So, it, you know, and it, um, I did a podcast over in Australia uh, with some people a few months ago on this theme, and their lockdown was longer and more intense. And this was a, for single people who were struggling with that. And something like 800 singles from around the world tapped into that podcast because they were they were dealing with this issue. So so that uh, I've had I had friends say to me, you know, you have no idea how hard it is. I just need a break from my family. I need to get out of here. We're all cooped up together for so long. And I said that's true, and that is I'm sure a very great challenge. But God never said it's not good to have too much time with your family. <laughs> he said it's not good to be alone. So so. Um, I I do think that people who were isolated during the pandemic, quite honestly, had a harder time uh, and and are still feeling the effects of that. But to your point, uh, it doesn't mean that people who have children and a husband or were living with roommates and others during the pandemic didn't and still aren't battling with extreme loneliness. Yeah. Well, but but speak to the, the other side. As a single woman, what was it like for you and how did you proactively seek to battle against maybe feelings of loneliness or isolation that that you might have experienced? I have to say it was really difficult. And, you know, when, when you are, I, I'm so blessed to work with other believers. So when I, when I get up in the morning and go to work, that is my fellowship. I am with believers for the majority of my waking hours then. Uh, and, and I'm in an age in life where I, I just can't go out every night anymore and, and you know, meet up with friends after work or, or go to church functions every night. So, so I'm out maybe three nights a week connecting with people after work. So that means four evenings a week I'm home by myself. That's great if you're at work all day. But if you are, you're waking up and you're doing everything from home and you're maybe not seeing another person for three or four days outside of Zoom, um, you know, it's, it's hard. And I think at least we were able to get outside and go for walks into good weather. In bad yeah. weather, that didn't happen so much. So I think the remedy that uh, this is the only thing that helped was, I mean, there were little, you know, manna in the wilderness. There was, there were the Zoom calls. There was, there was my job to connect with my colleagues. There were friends. We would have online chats uh, on Zoom and get together that way. And getting outside to walk. Um, I tried getting a puppy. That didn't work. <laughs> um, that lasted five days. What kind of dog days. was it? 
I got a Bernadoodle, a Bernadoodle puppy, and so sweet. Uh, but if you ever saw the movie Marley and Me, this was that dog. So it was impossible. <laughs> uh, it was not the solution to my problem, and it lasted yes. five days. So, so um, I, you know, I will say that that at the same time, it was one of the most difficult seasons, and yet uh, it, it it was. I was I drew so near to the Lord during that time, as we do when we have life stripped away from us in whatever way, whether it's a, a loss or an illness or uh, some whatever crisis or tragedy or difficulty the Lord puts us in, uh, it's an opportunity to know his strength, his grace in a way that we wouldn't otherwise. So mm. I think that's that's a time to say, for believers, it's a time to say, like Paul, when his thorn was not removed, he was able to rejoice in his struggle when the Lord said, no, I'm keeping you in this difficulty because he said the lord said to him my strength is made perfect in your weakness mm. so it i think that these are opportunities for us to know a strength of the lord and his grace in a way that we would not know apart from the difficulty so yeah. that's and, that's redemption in it and i want to get into some of those the spiritual realities at play here and the factors at play here that that too often maybe we ignore but maybe even before we get into that, you mentioned getting a puppy and uh, going for walks. There are all kinds of positive, healthy ways that we might um, try to, in some ways, cope with loneliness that we might be feeling or address that in our lives. Um, there, and then there are kind of ways that are perhaps less positive, less, less healthy, whether that's mm -hmm. binging Netflix every night and distracting yourself or eating too much yes. or even you know more harmful things. Are there any coping mechanisms that you feel like you are tempted towards that aren't helpful that you've had to kind of discipline yourself in and you've had to recognize as temptations for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, and to your, what you just said, I think alcohol sales went up something like 246% during right. the pandemic. And I think those numbers went up and they have not, and maybe they're not likely to come back down anytime soon. People developed habits during the pandemic and some that will not be quickly broken it will become a little more permanent in their lives as coping devices so so i think personally uh with all that isolating time yeah i mean for me it was like shortening up the evening hours however i could so it was usually binging something on television uh, and then like looking at the clock and saying it's nine o'clock and i go to bed now and just sort of yeah. escaping by sleep so um, I would rather be up alone if, at 4.30 in the morning than after 9 at night. If there's something for me anyway about nighttime that's lonely. So um, that was how I would cope. And it, it just, it got me through. Um, but, you know, even then it didn't really get me through. It was the Lord that got me through. It was, yeah. it was those are my tendencies. And I ended up doing that, going to bed at 9 every night. And usually when I finished work, uh, then I would sit there and either escape into social media or binge something and uh, just sort of park there until it was time to go to bed, clock watching the whole time until yeah. I could turn it off. Because the worst thing is my, my job is necessitates quiet. So as an editor, I have to, or, and a writer, I have to have silence during the day. So when the workday ends and I have no human around, I don't want more silence. I don't feel like reading a book. You know, yeah. what am I gonna do? Just like, so, so I want a talking head in my room. Uh, so I and I certainly don't think it's wrong to watch television or to to read social media. Uh, so and those those are gifts as well, uh, and they and they're a wonderful blessing. 
uh, and they do connect you with the outside world. So, so to say that those things are, are wrong, of course, we're not saying that. It's, it's the temptation, though, was to misuse them to escape mm. difficulty and in a, such a way that you're just tuning out. So it's not yeah. the thing itself. It was it was what under was underlying some of my evenings of, of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as you think back on your own journey uh, through seasons of loneliness and think about the ways that God has, has brought you through that, growed you uh, through those experiences. Um, do you feel like do you feel like you've had to learn what those tendencies are? You kind of come to recognize progressively over time, oh yeah, when I'm feeling lonely, I can be tempted to go do this, to distract myself with TV or, or something else. You know, what role does that learning play in, in kind of dealing with our loneliness as Christians? I think, it, I think it exposes to us how much we actually don't trust the Lord at times or how we're unwilling for his ordering of our lives. Uh, and, and I think as uh, Westerners, Americans, Westerners, we're unwilling for a little discomfort. And if it means that we, you know, what, it, what if it means that we do something in the evening that it, you know, so in my own situation, what's the worst thing? If I had a quiet day, I'm going to have a quiet evening. And, you know, if, if, if there's nothing worth watching or reading or, you know, watching on television, reading on social media, and I can't find anything that day to just stay with it to escape. No. What if I were to turn it off? and just sit in the silence, I would feel very uncomfortable. Well, is that the worst thing in the world? Maybe those are the seasons where I, I'm gonna lean most on the Lord if I'm willing for that discomfort. And I think so often as Americans, we are not willing for that because we're told we don't have to. We're told we don't have to be uncomfortable and we have ready solutions for our discomfort, whether it's the next drink, the next chocolate bar, the next the next episode of whatever we're binging, anything to ward off those those fears or anxieties or feelings of loneliness and depression. But the Lord is right there to meet with us if we are willing to power through those, those uncomfortable feelings to, mm. to just be with him in those hours. Yeah. And sometimes I think that's the best thing to do. Yeah. You just mentioned depression and anxiety. And, and we've seen other studies come out around, around the pandemic that have uh, demonstrated that, yeah, rates of depression and anxiety have also been skyrocketing of late. What's the relationship in your mind between depression, anxiety, and loneliness? I think loneliness that's just escaped is going to result in depression uh, and anxiety because we're, we're, if we're afraid of something to the point where we're ducking it, we're going to be anxious. We're going to be anxious that it's going to creep up on us and grab us. Uh, if we're if we are feeling the anxiety, the loneliness, but we're not dealing with it, we're going to get depressed because hopelessness, I think, is linked to depression. And when we see no way out of something, that's when depression really sets in. And if we allow it to continue, it will eventually uh, devolve into despair and utter hopelessness. So so the remedy is the same. It's it's to acknowledge the problem and turn to the only source of help, and that's the Lord. And it doesn't mean we don't do practical things. I mean, God does not call us to deal with our loneliness by saying, I'm going to turn off the TV and sit in my chair and pray all night. I mean, that's not, right. that's not it. We, we have to be proactive, too. God's given us all kinds of resources to be proactive, and we can make use of those. Um, and, and yet there are times where we do everything we can, and our problem isn't fixed. And that is when we go to the Lord, and sometimes I think, the way to avoid the depression is is to just be 
so real about about where we are. And I, I too often I think we are either afraid to acknowledge it to ourselves, maybe to others, uh, even to the Lord. And there's nothing wrong with saying to him, this is so hard right now. I, I, I don't know how to go on another day. I don't even know if there's any answer to this or any remedy. I can see no solution in front of me. And, and truth be told, Lord, I can't see how you're helping me and how you're, how, where are you in my life right now? And to be that real with him is not, it's not to be disrespectful. It's not to dishonor him. It's, it's, an, it's the cry of an honest heart. And we see that all through the Psalms, don't we? Where, where you can pour out and be truthful with him. And I do think that even if there's not a solution ready at hand, the very honesty with yourself and with the Lord is, a, is an opening. It's a beginning that can dispel depression. And, and from there, it's continuing to pray for and seek solutions. Uh, and, and, you know, through the body of Christ, we are not meant to... Uh, to live by ourselves, where the Christian life is not meant to be a solitary thing. So even if we live alone, we're dealing with loneliness, we, we are not meant to do life by ourselves. So if you have to resort to the phone or Zoom or something like that, God wants us to be connected with other believers way more than he wants us to get a puppy, you know? And, and this is where, this is, this is the thing. You think about Psalm 68, 6, God sets the solitary in, in families. He loves to connect people. You think about Jesus and his dying agony on the cross, his final hour. What did he do? He saw his grieving mother at the foot of the cross and matched her up with his best friend, where John, where we're told John took Mary home to be with her from that to for the, from then on. So, so the Lord cares that we're lonely and alone and suffering and grieving the loss of people, and He loves to remedy that. So. Mm. If we don't have a husband and children, and even if we do, we need the body of Christ, and yeah. we are not meant to live apart from it. Do you feel like you've you've learned anything important about the nature of Christian community and maybe even the nature of the church and the role of the church through this season of dealing with COVID? Has God kind of revealed new things to you? Yeah, I've learned that I can't I can't battle my sin with, in secret. You know, and it's easy during um, times of, I think single people can battle that. And I mean, anyway, that temptation to hide your sin. Um, if you live alone, at least it's it's easier. Uh, and then suddenly you realize, well, the sin's getting the better of me. And it's, gone is your worry about someone finding out. It's like, oh, I have no one to talk to about this. And then you learn, yeah. we're not, you know, um, sin that's hidden doesn't prosper. The book of Proverbs tells us that. So I've learned the necessity of being open with other believers about my sin struggles. So when we're cut off from others, um, I think that can come front and center. Wow, I can't deal with this by myself. I need I need the church. I need friends. I need other Christians praying for me, and I need someone to confess this to. Um, it, but when we're busy with people all day, we're not thinking about that. We just want to. We're we're thinking more about hiding it. <laughs> Yeah. Because we feel like we have more of a grip on it. We're out and about with other people, and it's it's not going to get us as much. But when we're alone, sin can really overtake us. And so I, I've had, during the pandemic, a, a close friend I talk to every Monday morning at 7 o'clock. And we pray together. We are very real about our sin struggles. And uh, that has been a lifesaver for the last year. Hmm. Uh, so, so 
And I sometimes I'll dread that call because I'm going to have to tell her, yeah, I fell down on that again. Are you so frustrated and impatient with me now and rolling your eyes because I did it again? But the very fact that I'm, I know I'm going to be talking to her is huge. So mm-hmm. I've learned that about the value of the church during this time, that even if we're not in a building together on Sundays, we can stay vitally connected when it comes to confessing our sins, praying together, worshiping, and uh, just, just continuing to share life with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. What is your church doing these days? What does corporate worship look like for you on a given Sunday? We are, um, I'm, I'm in New York, so we are, the restrictions are just lifting here. We were, you know, we had masks at one service and, and some, for a season, and then now masks were, then masks were optional. So one of the, and I think that's really governed a lot of churches is the whole, where people come down on vaccines and masks and all of that. And unfortunately that has been so divisive in the church. Yeah. Uh, our church's policy is to, is we just they don't talk a lot about it. Um, they so I think we have um, we do the Lord's Supper by going up to the front every Sunday and just out of courtesy and love, everyone puts a mask on when they go up there and you get back in your in the pew and you take it off and but no one's talking about it. You're just doing it out of love and sensitivity for those who might be concerned and worried. So so that was our approach. But we did, we met other than, um, I think there was a couple of months here where the church couldn't meet at all. And that was before I came. They, there was, it was more limited with, with size. You could have 25 people. So our church broke into several small gatherings of 25 to be able wow. to meet in person. Yeah. And uh, they masked up, did whatever they had to do. Uh, but then they, they continued to have, we have our, our, they call them missional communities that meet on Wednesday nights. Those continued on Zoom. And so they were very, very good about elders following up uh, with all the people in the church and keeping everyone connected. And I will say the church grew in number during the pandemic. We didn't lose anybody. We, we almost doubled in size. Wow, coming at, that's coming amazing. Out of it now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. amazing and, and pretty uncommon, I would say. Maybe more common than, than we're led to believe when we read the, the headlines. Well, I, you know what? I think it was the effort to stay connected and back to the loneliness thing. I think that was a, they recognized they, they had to do whatever it took to continue to shepherd people individually. So uh, mm. there are eight pastors in my church and it's not a huge uh, church. So that's a, they're able to shepherd well everybody there. And I think that's why it happened. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the pandemic has helped me to appreciate perhaps more more deeply but even more experientially the the truth that we are god made us as embodied people and that that should that has an impact on how we are called to interact with one another as christians and you know take the mass as an example without taking sides on any of the debate surrounding mass which is as you said is can be quite controversial unfortunately it does uh, i've felt even more acutely the relational loss associated with not seeing other people's faces for for maybe much of the last couple of years at church. Do you resonate with that sense that there is, I don't know, that, there, that you understand maybe better the, the embodied nature of who we are and the, our relationships? Yes, especially with our faces. You know, you think we're not meant to cover up our faces. And it's, it's, we talk about seeking the face of God. I mean, it's, it's this whole idea of the closeness, the presence, seeing facial expressions. And, and I mean, obviously, that's 
we don't really seek God's physical face, but it's this whole idea of knowing him. And it's that same way with our faces. We know one another through smiles and through facial expressions and, and to have half the face cut off. You, you, it, it's really hard. Think about even in the grocery store, when someone is that person smiling at me or frowning at me, like, and so you kind of we, learn. We've all gotten to, good at, at reading maybe the uh, the eye eye lines yes. and trying to discern is that a smile or a frown? Right, and so you learn how to make your eyes work in certain ways to communicate. So one of the things I think this has really helped with is at least my understanding of what what so many Muslim women live with all the time. They have face coverings from the time they're, what, teenage girls until they're always, whenever they're out in public. And so that, I, I think it's given me some, some sympathy for an understanding for how hard, I never thought before how hard that must be. And uh, so, so um, that's, that's been helpful in that regard, thinking about what others deal with. But yes, the, I think loneliness is enhanced by covering over the face. Um, and and I, that's why I think a lot of people are so wanting to rip those masks off and maybe why that's been so contentious. Uh, it's not because, you know, you have a mask on your face. I mean, yeah, it's not convenient or the most pleasant, but it's livable from a physical standpoint. I do yeah. think it's more the loss of communication that angers people so much mm. or frust. I shouldn't say angers. I should say frustrates them. So we've spent a lot of this conversation talking about sort of the responsibility and the, the call for individual people who are maybe feeling lonely, what, what they can do to sort of try to a- address that in healthy, biblical, God-honoring ways. Uh, but there's kind of the other half of that are the responsibility of other Christians in, in a church or in a community to intentionally be reaching out and building relationships with other people who who might be struggling. So what what does it look like? What are some ideas, even practical ideas, for how Christians can effectively reach out and care for others, uh, recognizing that right now in particular, there are probably a lot of people who are struggling with feeling lonely right now? That's a great question. And uh, I think that it is being cognizant that, that people are alone, th- those who are alone, but also those who aren't alone uh, who are maybe as the mother we talked about at the beginning here, who is feeling lonely, even though she's home with her kids. Uh, so, so I think it's realizing that everybody is struggling with it to some degree and not assuming that because someone has people in their day-to-day life that they're fine. And so I think if we, if we kind of, as a church, as individuals in a church, if we kind of think about the fact that probably every single person in our church is struggling with it to some degree and, it, you know, it doesn't mean we have, we can pick up the phone and call them all, but, you know, we, we, I think an awareness of that and maybe being sensitive to how different, different people are struggling with it and not to assume that they're not, uh, is, is, is the best thing. Uh, and it's a starting point anyway, uh, as, yeah. as the best way forward. But then when there are opportunities to reconnect to whether it's online or in person or whatever it is, to encourage one another to go, to offer to go with someone, to offer to, to just just with the encouragement. And I, I think even of a situation where uh, my elderly mother is at assisted living now, and she's she's always been someone who can go days by herself and be okay. But in her older years, that's been less true. 
and yet she will not go to the group activities because she's uh, it's awkward and uncomfortable and you don't know anybody and so they have volunteers who come in there and come door to door and say hey can i help you to come down to this function can i can i push your wheelchair and we'll go and my mother is attending everything because mm-hmm. someone comes to her door each day and asks if she wants to go and she likes some help getting there so and she's having a great time so you know i think about how can we what how can we do that in our own context show right. up to say to someone can i go with you can i whether it's a phone call whether it is driving them whether it's just an encouraging hey are you going to be there tuesday night i hope so i can't i hope to see you there let's sit together or or something and and if it's if it's not an activity what if it's reaching out and saying you know this was really hard for me as a mom the last few months you know and I, i'm struggling especially with my teen how have you done with yours can we you know can we talk about that for a few minutes and just drawing out someone in a similar situation or or one that 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 you might not have thought would be lonely but being clued into the fact that maybe they're communicating that it was talk to them draw them out so I think there's some simple things we can do just within our own context, with our own the people in our day-to-day lives. It, but it begins by saying they're probably lonely, whether it looks that way to you or not. Mm, yeah, that's so helpful. And uh, I think so often we can, you know, whether it's the issue of loneliness or a whole host of other things, uh, we can sometimes feel this pressure to have the right answers. Or, you know, if someone says I'm, I'm struggling with loneliness, to have some way to fix that quickly but so often, that's not really what's needed. What, what people need is just someone to be there with them, to walk alongside them, to pray with them. And, and that is, is often a huge, a huge, makes a huge difference in people's lives. It does, Matt. And one more thing along those lines. I think we talked before about how the people hidden away and how sin can kind of take over at times as a coping device for loneliness. And that could also hinder people from getting back out there again if they're stuck in a sin. And so one of the ways I think we can help people is to say, you know, I really struggled with such and such a sin and I'm still battling that now, you know, and, and, and being the first in your group, in your Bible study, in your small group, in your out with a friend, whatever the context again, to admit your sin, to confess it and say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling with this right now because I, someone has to go first. And I think mm-hmm. that if, if we will put our own struggles and sins out there, we're gonna, it's an invitation for others to feel comfortable doing it as well. Someone's got to go first. And why not, why not us? Why not let it be yeah. us? Maybe as a final question, Lydia, uh, you write in your book, quote, relief from loneliness comes only as we acknowledge our loneliness and as we turn to God and his word for the help and understanding that we need. And uh, we've also talked about things, very practical things that we can also do, uh, healthy things to pursue as a way to address the loneliness that we so often feel. But what would you say to the person listening right now who, who would say, I am struggling with very severe loneliness. I feel very alone. I feel isolated. And, and they would further say, I've tried turning to God. I've tried going to the Bible. I've tried praying to God, and it just doesn't seem to be helping me. What what encouragement or advice would you give to that person right now? I would say, once again, try a fresh look of fixing their eyes on Jesus, who was the loneliest person who walked this earth. If you think about uh, how he was rejected, 
by the people he loved. He kept pouring out his heart and getting stomped on by people. He was rejected. He was hurt. And yet he didn't stop loving. And he was, he was just, if you think about his life from, from the beginning when his own family didn't, it just, he had a hard time right up through his agonizing death when um, he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so if Jesus, if Jesus experienced that, even if you may not feel him there, he knows he's there and he cares. So it, it's not a matter of feeling him, it's believing that he does care, that he wants to remedy your situation, and he is not going to leave you there. Any more than he left his mother alone at the foot of the cross, he is not going to leave you there. It is God's will for you to be connected with other people. So if you don't see it yet, if you don't feel that God is there, trust and believe that he is because he is, and there is going to be an end to this problem. Lydia, thank you so much for taking the time today to, to share some of your own experiences uh, of loneliness in this pandemic and I think offer helpful encouragement for those who, who continue to struggle and will struggle in the future. Uh, we really appreciate it. My pleasure, Matt. It was great to be back with you. That was Lydia Brownback on loneliness and the COVID-19 pandemic. For more, be sure to check out her book with Crossway, Finding God in My Loneliness. Pick up your copy of the book for 30% off directly from Crossway by visiting crossway.org plus. That's crossway.org plus. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, which helps us spread the word about the show. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.